Well, good morning to you. Good morning to all of you mothers. want to wish you all a very happy, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we're thankful for you mothers. We're thankful for the blessings that you've been in our lives. Uh, Proverbs 12.4, just to remind you guys, that uh, tells us that a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. So husbands, make sure you express that to your wives. Proverbs 18.22 says that a wife is a good thing to find, and how absolutely true that is. So happy Mother's Day to you, moms and wives. Uh, we do appreciate you. Uh, there was a, a fourth grade science teacher that was getting ready to start a class, a science class, and she wanted to teach this science class on magnets, but she wanted to kind of see if the students, if the pupils could understand what it was that she was going to be presenting. So she's kind of giving some clues, dropping some hints, and uh, she said, this morning we're going to be talking about something that is a six-letter word, and it picks up things. And a little boy raised his hand, and he said, I know, I know, mother. Well, it was magnet, but yeah, he was right, too. So we appreciate all of you, and we're so thankful for all that you do for the, for the family. And uh, what a blessing, what a blessing you are. Well, this morning I want us to continue with our study of Christ, of the book, in the volume of the book. It's written of me, and this morning we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, Christ is our access. He is our access. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. Ephesians 2, verse 18 is the one we're going to start with. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Christ Jesus is our access. And for you Gentiles, you need to understand that is glorious, wonderful news because we were alienated from God. We were without hope. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 start, starts out teaching us. Verse 11, wherefore remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, aren't you glad you live in this present dispensational grace? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. 
for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, Jew and Gentile, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. See, that's at the heart of the mystery that we teach and that we preach, is that there is a joint body made up of believing Jew, made up of believing Gentile, and all those who come to the Lord Jesus Christ are made part of that body, baptized by the Holy Spirit into that body, sealed into the day of redemption. What a glorious position that is. When we come to know Christ, we're not made part of Israel. We're not made part of a nation. We're not made part of that covenant. We're not, we, what we are part of is a special revelation that was given to the chief of sinners, the Apostle Paul, concerning a body, concerning what God intended to do by the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross. What glorious truth we have in that we have access to God through Christ Jesus. He is our access. In order to have a relationship with God the Father, you must come through God the Son. Amen? Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. It's only through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Man can wish. Man can hope for. Man can believe that there are other forms of redemption from other sources, Allah, Buddha, Confucius, self, I'm going to do it on my own. Man can believe and have a lot of faith. But see, the one you have faith in has to be able to do what you're hoping they can do. None of those can save you. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ is salvation offered. Some people call us really narrow-minded because we believe that there's only one way. But see, that, that's not what we're claiming. That's what God's Word's claiming. It's what God's Word claims. It, and I've talked to people that say, yeah, I believe the Bible. I'm a Bible-believing Christian, but I also believe there are other ways to God. Well, you're not a Bible-believing Christian, you're not really even a Christian if you believe that there are other ways to God 
to be saved. Because listen carefully. There are many ways to God. There are many ways to God. All faiths, all faiths lead to God. All religions, all beliefs lead to God, including not believing at all. Lead to God. Because God's Word's clear. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. All faiths lead us to God, lead us to His throne, but only one way leads to salvation, to eternal life. There's only one way. In order to have a right relationship with God, and that is through Jesus Christ, He alone is the access to God the Father and eternal life. Pastor, that's awful narrow-minded. Yeah, but narrow is the way. Narrow is the way. It's what God's Word says. Well, that's not very loving of you. Listen, you tell me which one is loving. To tell people, oh, don't worry about it. Everybody's going to be in heaven. Don't worry about it. Uh, It doesn't matter what you believe. Or to tell them the truth. And that Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. See, I personally think it's loving to tell them the truth, not to make them feel good for a moment. I want them to feel good for all eternity, not for a short time while they're here on earth. But the book of Ephesians, it bears this truth out and tells us how we have access to God the Father through God the Son. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. And I'll tell you, it's, it's difficult for me to read through the book of Ephesians without just crying. With joy and with gladness and with excitement of all that God has planned. Oh, the message, the truth. Ephesians 2, 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, before you loved God, you know what? He loved you. For even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, or made us alive together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Throughout all eternity, you are going to be a trophy of God's grace. All of creation for all eternity will recognize the church, the body of Christ, made up of redeemed individuals who believed that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again, who were made new creations all eternity 
the angelic host, all of creation is going to look at the church, the body of Christ, and they are going to recognize God for His grace, His mercy. You're going to be part of that. And if that's not called to serve Him, I don't know what is. Ephesians 2.13. Can I read that one more time? But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. There is a term throughout the book of Ephesians that just should jump out at you as we read it. That term is in Christ. I'll tell you how important that term is. Just in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses it 35 times. You don't think that's not important? You being in Christ? That position that keeps you secure? That position that keeps hopefully heaven on your mind and you understanding that that's where you're going to spend eternity because you are in Christ, placed. And when it talks about in Christ, it's talking about the body. You have been placed in that body exactly where God wants you for service. Matter of fact, I looked up the word in just to make sure I had the right definition for the word in. The word in and I wrote it down where I wouldn't forget it, is a function word. You ever thought about in as being a function word? Any English teachers here? Oh, okay. It's a function word used to indicate inclusion, location, or position. Never doubt you are in Christ. Ephesians also tell us you are in Christ, sealed until the day of redemption. That that being in Christ right now on earth is the down payment that guarantees you that you're going to heaven. You are no longer in Adam. Remember a few weeks we talked a few weeks ago we talked about in Adam we all die. But in Christ, which is where you are now, you're no longer in Adam. You've changed position. You've changed your standing. That's why the Bible talks about being made a new creation. Because you're no longer in Adam. You're no longer in the old man. You are in the new man. You are in Christ. You are sealed. You're on your way to heaven. The Word of God guarantees it but the shed blood of Christ guarantees it. And you are in Him. But just to show you how important that word is, you can just about pick a verse, and it's going to talk about being in Christ. But let's start with Ephesians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. He starts out using that phrase. Drop down to the third verse. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Drop down to verse 4. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Don't have very far to go. Look at verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. So it either talks about being in Christ or in the Beloved. Look at verse 11. In whom also, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who works, who works all things after the counsel of His own will. Verse 13, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. See, you read the book of Ephesians after you've come off of 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I've got to tell you, one of the most important doctrines in the Scripture is this doctrine, which includes the, our identification with Christ. Our identification in Christ. Next week, we're going to be looking at Colossians. And when we look at Colossians, we find out that we are complete in Him. See, it doesn't, Paul wants to make sure that the church, the body of Christ, understands that glorified, glorious position. We are in Christ. We are complete in Him. We identify with His death. We identify with His burial. We identify with His resurrection. We identify with His ascension. Because He died in the mind of God the Father, and, and if we are in Him, we died. Therefore, sin no longer has dominion over you. The law no longer is over you. That's why we're under grace, not under the law. We are no longer dead in sins. Can I get a hallelujah? We're dead to sin. Folks, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I just sinned this morning. I didn't say you're not going to sin. But from God's perspective, because of who you are, sealed into the day of redemption in Christ, eternally secure because of that position, and that is the way God sees you and the way the book of Ephesians presents you already. Get this. You talking about salvation. Already seated in the heavenlies. Already. That's your present position as far as God the Father is concerned. You know, who is seated at the right hand of the Father right now? The Lord Jesus Christ. And we are in Him right now. That's where we're seated. That's what it just said in chapter 2, verse 6. In he has raised us up together 
and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is our position this very moment. Verse 5 tells us that he's made us alive. Gone from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive in Christ. See, that's the salvation that comes from knowing Christ and being in Him. Verse 6 tells us we're going to sit in heavenly places. That's our position right now. Our hope is in the heavens. See, we're not part of Israel. Israel's hope is earthly, looking for an earthly kingdom where the meek will inherit the earth. All of that was for Israel. That promise is still going to be fulfilled. But we have a different promise. We have a different position. We are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We are not Israel. We are the body. And i got to tell you, as a body, you are an heir of God, a joint heir of Christ, and everything He inherits, you inherit. Folks, that should cause us to either rejoice or weep with gladness. But regardless, it ought to move us as we think about that position that we have in Christ. Verse 10 of chapter 2 says that we are created unto good works in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And placing us into the body of Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians. I want to make sure we understand this because this is so, so important for doctrinal truths. And those who do not rightly divide the word, I feel sorry for them because they miss so much of this glorious truth about who they are in Christ. Those who keep thinking they have to work to earn their salvation, they have to keep working in order to pacify God. But God's word, when you rightly divide the word of truth, you see quickly, you see clearly that it's all the work of Christ and you are in Him. But 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, as, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink unto one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Look over to verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. That's the summary of that whole chapter. The whole point being in Christ. The interesting thing about the book of Ephesians, when you go through it, the first three chapters is all about our standing, or it's all about our position in Christ. First chapters one, two, and three, it's all about our position in Christ. It's glorified. Or glorifying to the Lord. It's all about our heavenly possessions. It's all about our adoption, our redemption, our inheritance, our citizenship. 
The first three chapters is all about that position we have in Christ and how glorious it is that we're in Christ. The last three chapters is all about our practice. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, it's all about our walk, our responsibilities. In the first three chapters, there are no imperatives. You know what an imperative is? An imperative is when somebody tells you to do something, uh, to put on the whole armor of God. That's an imperative. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, it contains no imperatives. It's all about your position, being in Christ, and all that God has done on your behalf to make you part of a joint body made up of Jew and Gentile in this present dispensation. The second three, uh, or the last three verses or chapters, it has 35 imperatives. Do this, do this, do this. See, the Lord wanted to make sure you understand that your position is secure, wants to make sure you understand that heaven is your home, wants to make sure you understand how much He loves you, how much Christ has done on your behalf, and that your salvation is secure. The last part of it is He wants to make sure you understand you have a responsibility to live a life that glorifies Him. And your walk, your practices, your lifestyle really is borne out by that. Matter of fact, Watchman Nee wrote a book years and years ago, and we have a copy somewhere here. The name of that book is Sit, Walk, and Stand. If you wanted to do a study of the book of Ephesians, approach it with those three words. Sit, walk, and stand. Because that demonstrates, that describes your relationship to God. You are seated in the heavenlies right now. Victory is yours. You are to walk not as the other Gentiles walk, not according to this world, and you're to stand. And when you've done all to stand, you stand with the full armor of God. See, that's the whole point of Ephesians, making sure. And you do all of this in Christ. You are seated in Christ. You walk in Christ. You stand in Christ all the way through. But I got to tell you, as I read through this, the verse, uh, the chapter that is just jumps out at us, the chapter that you can't neglect, and we could spend a month of Sundays on just this chapter. And I think Neil probably did it just here uh, over the last few, few weeks as he did a study on, on the book of Ephesians. But Ephesians chapter 3, I can't tell you how important this chapter is in understanding God's plan and purpose for you, church, His body. Look at verse 1, chapter 3. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you. That's an important word. Dispensation. 
how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote before in a few words. The mystery? What's the mystery? Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You're starting to get a clue that this guy, Paul, received a special revelation from God concerning something that was not divulged, something that was not taught, something that was not talked about, something that was hidden. But don't take my word for it. Take his. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other Ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Talking about the apostles and the prophets. They didn't know anything about this special revelation. The truth about being part of the body of Christ. That there was going to be a body of Christ. Their whole focus, their whole emphasis... Their whole teaching had to do with Israel as a nation and the blessings and promises of God to the nation of Israel and the ministry of the nation of Israel, what they were to accomplish on behalf of God to represent Him to all the other peoples of the world. But Paul says, was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto His holy apostles, and prophets by the Spirit. And what is that? What is the heart of that mystery? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the joint body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You can't go into the Old Testament and find anything about God's plan to have a joint body. That's when it, it, it talks about in, in Ephesians. It talks about in verse, uh, Ephesians 3, verse 8. It talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. You know what the word unsearchable there means? Untrackable. Untraceable. You can't go back in the Old Testament and find anything here about the body what God's plan was because it was hid in God. Do words mean anything? Do words mean something? Yes, they do. So when God's Word says that this mystery was hid in God, not revealed until it's revealed now, and the Apostle Paul talks about, he says, we'll, go, we'll talk about it again next week in Colossians. We mentioned it when we were in, when we were in Romans. That it was hid in God, not revealed until it's revealed now. This special, glorious position that you Gentiles get to experience being in Christ, being part of a joint body. That's what Ephesians is all about. As it talks about our access to God Himself is through Christ. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Remember, what did it say earlier? You were without hope. You were alienated. Is that, was that put there just to kind of have a, an impact? 
or if that was your actual standing. Let me give you a hint. It was your actual standing. It's what God's Word says. Now we read about the unsearchable riches of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, see, this sort of starts with those imperatives. I wish we had time to go through all of chapter 4. But verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. See, we start getting into those imperatives who being past feeling have been themselves, given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you've not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation or your manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Who did that creation? Did you do that creation? Or did God do that creation in your life when he made you a new creation? That's his work. Verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You know why God's Word tells you, Christian, member of the body of Christ, not to grieve the Holy Spirit? Because you can. You can. Well, if I grieve the Holy Spirit, then I'm lost? No, that's, that, it, it's, it's just possible as long as you're in the flesh. And we're all still in the flesh. That's changing at the rapture. This corruptible You're seeing a whole glob of it right here. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. But until that happens, God's Word says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. Don't grieve the one who sealed you. The one that guarantees heaven is your home. I'm going to tell you something about that ceiling. You can't break it. You can't, you cannot break that ceiling. Chapter 5 tells us to be followers of God. The word followers there is mimetis. We get the word mimic. Be mimics of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Wow. To be a follower of God means to be an imitator of God. 
And the word dear children, the word dear there is the same word for beloved that's mentioned in Matthew 3, I think it's verse 14 or so, that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'd have to do a study to see if that same word is used anywhere else. It's used concerning Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And you're to be followers of God as beloved children. You have that same standing because you are in Christ. Ephesians 5.8 tells us, That we're to walk as children of light, not to walk in darkness. Ephesians 6 1 tells us parents or children, you'd obey your parents in the Lord. They're all downstairs right now, so you make sure you guys tell them when you see them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. That was the very first verse that we had our girls memorize. Very first word. And it worked. It worked. I recommend that, parents. Teach your kids that verse. Have them say it over and over and over again. Children, before you let them eat. No, that's, uh, that's not true. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. But then the next verse, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And then fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. We're going to get into that on June 11th when we have our parents' potluck dinner here. But Ephesians chapter 6, finally, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not your might but in the power of His might. Because i got news for you. You really have no might except in Christ. Except in Christ. I think I shared this Wednesday night with the Bible study. It just blows my mind that people think they can, Christians think they can stand up against the devil, against our adversary. Oh, he's not going to hinder me. i got news for you. If Satan can convince a third of the angels to follow him who had been in the presence of God, you don't stand a chance. Only in Christ. Only in Christ. Only when you put on the whole armor of God. And it's God's armor. What a book Ephesians is. And all that it tells us. And let me tell you what it tells us. It tells us exactly what you need to know to live a victorious life in Christ. A successful life in Christ. That you are in Christ. You have been made a new creation. You are seated with Him this very moment. You talk about victory. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. You talk about responsibility. It's what the book of Ephesians is all about. Study it. Devour it. Learn it. 
because there's key scripture in Ephesians that whenever the adversary comes against you, well, as a matter of fact, talking about the whole armor of God, this is your offensive weapon against Satan. This, the Word of God. You need it. And if you want to put on the whole armor of God and you want to be able to use this sword of the Spirit, start with the book of Ephesians. Because it'll have you jumping up and down. It'll have you weeping. It'll have you going, Lord, those are your expectations for me. Use me. I want to be part of that joint body that's an army that you intend to use to glorify yourself for all eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Father, help us to read, to study, and then apply. Father, may we understand that it's alive. It's powerful. And Father, your word will affect our lives for your glory. And Father, I pray this morning that every person here, that's exactly what they want in their life is to glorify you. Father, help us to understand that we can't do that if we neglect prayer and if we neglect your word. And may we be faithful to both. But Father, we come before you as a congregation this morning thanking you for that standing that we have in Christ, thanking you for that access made perfect because of his perfection, knowing that we are beloved because we are in your beloved. We're in him. We thank you for that position, that calling. Father, may we live our lives in such a way that glorifies you. Now, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here that has never by faith trusted you, Father, that they'll realize that this is the moment they must, they need to settle that issue. And by faith, trust that you died for them, you were buried, that you rose again. To believe the gospel, to take it personally, And Father, understanding that when a person does that, they are placed into your body for all eternity. And Father, we can rejoice in that truth. And we pray all these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.